What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Dr. John Deloney Show. I'm John. I'm glad you're here. Hey, listen, this is the second. This is AMA number two. We got James, Kelly, all of us are in on this one. We recently put out on the, the interwebs, hey, if you got any questions for the, the second round of the Ask Me Anything, um, I got a shirt with lots of shiny buttons on it. It's actually a t-shirt with buttons. I don't even think these work. And James has his jean jacket. I think, James, you sleep in that jean jacket. Uh, maybe. Maybe I do. I like how you keep your private life private. And uh, we got Kelly back there looking beautiful as always. And then Zach hiding out away from the camera. So they sent everybody sent in a bunch of fun questions. We're actually going to break this up into two different shows, right? So we got the Ask Me Anythings, pretty much like how I live, what I read and do and stuff like that. And then we had another one. What were the other ones? So we have some that are like people asking questions about you. Then we have some that are just like general questions like how do I deal with this? Nah. So we're going to do another show where it's like rapid fire answering those questions at some point. <laughs> rapid fire is going to be so great for me because I talk so much. Yeah. It just being like, how about you say that in one sentence? I think my brain will just pop off, head popped off, head popped off. All right. So let's get right into it. Kelly, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. How are you? Oh my gosh. You're on the phone voice is so different than your human voice. Are you the mom who's like, you can shut up. And I'm, Hello? Yep, totally. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. So here we go. We are going through these. Ask me anything. Um, and you guys feel free to pitch in at any moment. Okay, so oh, we first will. question. Do what? We will. I know you will. You guys do anyway. Y'all don't know this when you are listening to the show or watching it. They can talk to me in my earphones and... I can't make a face. I can. Never mind. All right. So current reads. What am I currently reading now? So here's my current reads. I brought them with me this time. So um, a guy named Blake Bailey, one of my former students, mailed me this book the other day. He was one of my former uh, he's students there at Texas Tech. And it's a memoir by Frederick Beekner when he talks about some Pretty significant trauma he had in his life. I'm rereading this book, Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents. It's such a rock star book by Dr. Lindsay Gibson. And this book is phenomenal. It's called The Biology of Desire, Why Addiction is Not a Disease. It is wonderful. There's a whole a whole bunch of new literature, new scholarship coming out about this idea that um, addiction is not a disease. We got so excited to call it a disease for two reasons. One, we saw brain change when people like did cocaine. We saw their brain change. We got all excited. Hey, that's a disease. And number two, we are so adamant about putting um, addiction, drugs, pornography, working too much as a character issue, right? If you do this, it's because you're bad. If you do this, it's because you're lazy or stupid. That once we were able to call it a disease, then people could finally get the help they needed. And what this book is coming back and saying is, man, your brain changes all day, every day. You get a phone call, you laugh real hard, you watch something that's funny, then you watch it again, and you send that clip to your friend and you watch it again, your brain's changing all the time. And so brain change is not unique to using drugs or working too much, et cetera. And man, can we all just stop with the blaming people and lying to people? So it's not a disease, but it does have some addictive qualities. It is not a permanent brain change. 
yet your brain does change part all that goes into itself so dr mark lewis here um, the biology of desire it's a really great read and then this man i talked about this i think in the last ama guys this is discipline equals free freedom by jocko this is the simplest book I've read in a while, and it's really rich. And so I'm doing a daily thing with it where I read through it again. I've read through it several times, and I'm continuing to read through it. And it hasn't, I haven't come across a day yet where, man, Jocko doesn't say something that really gets into me. And it may be one of the top three or four mental health books I've read in 2021. It's really good. Um, and it's simple, right? And then when it, on the fiction front, I brought some of these books, man. This book... Octavia Butler's Parable of the Talents. If you haven't read this, it's really dark. Real, real, real dark. Uh, not for your kids. It's real violent. It's real dark. Um, it is a masterpiece. Octavia Butler is extraordinary. Karen Russell's Sleep Donation. These are all fiction, by the way. This book was a trip. Um, I loved it. In fact, I'd recommend this book to everybody. It's a good book. Again, all these are really dark, dark fiction. Um Stephen Graham Jones, The Only Good Indians. Again, this is a horror novel. It's scary pants and real dark too, but it was just a masterpiece. And then I'm still working through N.K. Jemison. She is the, I think she's the best science fiction writer in the world. Um, How Long to Black Future Month. This is just a collection of short stories that, man, I wish I had this kind of imagination. So that's the fiction I've read in the last month or two. Um, I've been on a fiction kick lately. I kind of got burned out on science, so I'm just sticking to a couple of the nerd books over here. But, man, that's what I'm reading right now. I do, again, I read a lot. I don't have a lot of friends, and so it kind of works out that way. Um, what are my favorite fiction books of all time? I actually grabbed them off my shelf and brought them. What's your favorite fiction book of all time, Kelly? Uh, to Kill a Walking Bird. Oh, you would. How noble and whatever of you. It's one that I read probably once a year. I just go back and read it. Do you talk? Do you bring that up at cocktail parties? Un, like you'd be like, "Hey, everybody, what's your favorite fiction book?" Mine's To Kill a Mockingbird. <laughs> I mean, and I have go, others. Ooh. I mean, and I read some pretty like lowbrow fiction sometimes, but that's just my favorite that I go back to, like once a year and just reread it. Just for the enrichment of your soul. Yeah, mm. just because I'm better than you. <laughs> <laughs> James, what about you? Um, I like the dystopian future books like the Brave New World in the 1984. Hey, listen, this is, I'm going to give you this today. Okay. Octavia Butler. This is the best dystopian future novel I've ever read in my life ever. Love it. Ever. Let's do it. All right, good. And then we'll both read To Kill a Mockingbird just mm. to cleanse our souls. Okay. Right? So we can reach Kelly's higher plane there. Um, all right. So my number one favorite book of all time is this. Danny, the champion of the world. Uh, by Roald Dahl. He's the guy that wrote um, Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, James and the Giant Peach. He's one of my favorite authors of all time. This is a book about a dad and a son, a little boy. Um, the little boy's mom passes away, and it's just them two, and they go get the man. And it's one of my favorite stories. It makes me cry 100% of the time. I've read it so much throughout my life, it didn't even have a back cover. I've got two or three other copies, but this is my OG book. Um, the Catcher in the Rye actually carried this book around with me. This is the first time... I ever, back in high school, right? Um, Chris Lowe was the guy. I was a freshman. He's like, hey, you got to read this book. And this is the first time I ever read a book and thought, oh, gosh, somebody's in my head. Um, and then this book, Fight Club, this is one of the original, this one book was, again, one of those books that in my early 20s, I think, when I found it, it was like, whoa, somebody's reading my mail. And that was a pretty remarkable book. And then 
The Yearling and Where the Red Fern Grows. If you haven't read these two books, stop what you're doing because I'm about to ruin the image of style that you're used to. you got to read these books. They're so sad, but they're so good. Those right? are like the saddest books ever written. Sadder than To Kill a Mockingbird? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, I'm the one without a soul, ladies and gentlemen. Kelly. And um, Huck Finn is awesome. Jaber Crow by Wendell Berry is awesome. Um, the, uh, the Harry Potter series is great. And To Kill a Mockingbird. That's just, it's, not, it's not one of my favorites. It's a great book, but it's not one of my favorites. Um, yeah, those are those books. All right, so what are, next question, what are the best books for raising children? Okay, here's my little rant on this. Right now, for maybe the last 25 years, I think Dobson did this, right? He kind of started this in the Jesus circles, and then there's been a couple of other folks in other circles. This obsession with strategies and scaling and projections and norming, we are so obsessed with step-by-step plans for our kids. And there are some good plans out there and some good questions, but I'm more interested in the foundation stuff because what I found is if you take care of the foundation stuff, the individual questions answer themselves a lot. So I'm more interested in helping parents be whole humans and helping them deal with their own crap and then being able to love their kids and be present with their kids and be able to be mature adults who love and model boundaries and good relationships. And then kids turn out fine, right? If a parent is well, their kids are going to be able to handle the world as it comes at them, right? So when parents ask me, like, hey, what's the best parenting book? I always tell them, books for you. And that is, my go-to is, I don't want to talk about it, by Terry Reel for men. Um, Adult Children of Emotionally Mature Parents. We talked about that earlier um, by Lindsay Gibson. Um, That's for everybody. There's a, it's a book, it's written by a a pastor. Um, I know a bajillion people who listen to this podcast aren't don't have a faith affiliation, but um, the book is really remarkable with or without a faith connotation. And it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's really, really good. Um, just is a really good introspective look at the way we're living our lives. And then there's a book, Finding Meaning by David Kessler. Man, I've probably... I think I've sold that guy a lot of books. It's just the, the book on grief. I got up on my shelf up there. Um... So many parents don't know how to grieve, and they don't know how to deal with their past. They don't know how to deal with this fake picture they had of their future, and they just get stuck on these loops. Then they end up just looping back to their origin stories, and they just recreate it again and again and again. And that book just helps people walk through. Your life is not going to be the fantasies you had, the pictures you had, and you've got to deal with them as they come. And man, that book's magic. So if you will love and connect with your kids, find and model joy, give your kids purpose, right? Let them endure struggle, but also show up and give them boundaries and show them that they matter. They're resilient. They're built like Gumby, man. They will come back, right? And then if you need some very specific books, then you can deal with those specific things at that time. That's what I tell people if they ask me for books on raising kids. Is that kind of a pass? Kind of, but I want parents to be okay. Parents are not okay, and they're looking for strategies to help fix their kids. All right, so the next question. Um, Ooh, y'all want to get in a fight? Phone usage for kids. I don't think we've ever talked about this. Phone usage for kids. What is my rules for phone usage for kids? What's yours, James? Um, My kid. Ooh, that was a good. That was a good. I I would have prepared for this if I'd known you were going to toss us so many questions. All right. Uh, Our kids don't use phones, and they won't for as long as I can help it. Yeah. But also I don't want to I don't want to just jump in and not have any experience and health, you know, healthy boundaries with it. So um 
actually that's not true. They use phones for they shoot home movies all the time with old our old phones. So, but they're not like on social media or on the internet or anything. Yeah. Uh, we started. We let our old, our son have a phone when he started coming home by himself mm. because we don't have a home phone. Ah. But we started with... Um, so $25 a month was worth the soul of your child? I could see that. Yeah, you know. But uh, <laughs> give and take. Give but and take. We started with just only an old phone with mm-hmm. no SIM card. And then when he turned, I think 15, we let him. But I am all up in it. I look through it all the time. He yeah. knows that. I'll come up and grab it when he's talking, you know, looking, scrolling. I'm... And I mean, my husband's IT, so oh, he can't get away with much. Can't get away with anything. Yeah. So my rule of thumb, get this. My son's in fifth grade. He came home a few weeks ago. A hundred percent of the kids in his class not only have smartphones, they're 10. They all have these TikTok accounts and they all are hanging out back and forth. And it, it, he discovered live that he's being left out of all this stuff. It was hard, but the hardest thing was, I thought I knew what's going on. This is madness that a 10-year-old has that kind of access. So in my house, man, like I'm, I'm like James. James and I are clearly better parents than Kelly, but um, no, yeah, no phone. To be fair, our kids practice. aren't as old as Kelly's yet. So. Uh, yeah. Come on. They, listeners don't know that. I'm a teenager. Now, my son has no social media, and he will not for quite some time. That's not even... Just, man, the data is so clear. If you have a 10-year-old, don't let them have social media. There's if a 15-year-old, don't let them. No, no. It's, we're just in this era of digital babysitters. They're, they're growing up being babysat by other fifth graders. It, it's just insane. It's insane. So I, I will hand them a phone if they are FaceTiming like their grandparents or, grandparents or an aunt or something like that. And we do have old phones like you guys have. Um, where they download books from the library, like uh, books they can listen to, audiobooks. But other than that, they don't even ask. It's it's the the data is so clear on how destructive this is for kids. And now we're in a world where a twelve year old says something, texts something, and it's going to keep him from getting a job when he's forty. And I want my kids to be kids as long as they can be. Um, this has just gotten very unforgiving. The world overnight, and so it's just it's just not worth the risk. Um, we have talked about Kelly. This is awesome. Uh, I was on a ladder, and it was just me and my son was at home, and I s- took a step, and the ladder, I mean, it was like, whoosh. I thought, oh, this is it. I'm coming down. And because I'm part ninja, I stopped it. That's not at all. It just stopped miraculously. And my son was looking at me. His eyes were really wide, and he was probably five or six. And I said, if I had just fallen and gotten hurt, what would you have done? And he looked at me for a second and sprinted to his room and got an old trashed cracked like plastic flip phone and he's like i would have called 911 and i was like man i'd be dead right (laughs) so we've talked about getting a landline we just haven't done it but we're gonna do that soon um all right next question what was my research for my phds um i was a qualitative researcher i care way more about individual stories and going a mile deep than a quantitative researcher you can google the difference between qualitative and quantitative there's all kinds of fist fights on the internet from academics about which is better and why and all that um my first dissertation, I studied conduct processes at small um, private universities, small private colleges. And ultimately, what I wanted to know is this. Um, who are you when somebody gets out of step with your values? 
Are you somebody who one and duns people and kicks them out? Are you somebody who helps, you know, the, the buzz term now is restorative justice. Do you help people become whole with your community again? How do you deal with um, your community when somebody steps out of line with your values? I believe ultimately at the end of the day, who you say you are is, is um, evident by how you treat people who have violated your boundaries. And that's a hard thing for us as a country we got to deal with. That's a hard thing for us as parents we got to deal with. Um, and so that's what I was looking at with these colleges. You can say we're pro-student and we love students and we are all about student experience and blah, blah, blah. But if you do this, you're gone. Get out, right? And for an 18-year-old, that's not learning a lot of the time. And so I worked in student conduct for years and years and years. And one of my goals is how can I – is there a way we can get the student back in here and learn some of these lessons here so that they can go out and be a great citizen out there. And I benefited from that. My second one, my second dissertation, I studied therapists who work with lawyers. And specifically, I wanted to know if lawyers struggle with different mental health or relationship challenges and other clients. And so I spent a lot of time with therapists who work with attorneys. And so that's what I studied there. And that was a fascinating conversation about the mental health of people whose job is to deal with other people in their worst moments. It was an eye-opening couple of years I spent researching that stuff. All right. So the next question is, what are my favorite podcasts that I listen to? I don't listen to a ton. The ones I do, The Drive by Peter Atia. If you're not listening to that, get it. It's hard. It's, it is real dense sometimes. He is just a master teacher. Um, I wish he taught in med schools. So I'm glad he doesn't because he he gets into this stuff. He's, he's, he's the master. Um the therapist shows I love Esther Perel's Where Should We Begin, I think is a masterpiece. Esther Perel is just a master clinician. She's as good as it gets. And there's a new show out called Nurture versus Nurture with Dr. Mogul. And it's, man, she's really, really good. She's a psychologist as well. And um, she does a deep dive. Both Esther Perel and Dr. Mogul do deep dives one hour with a couple or one hour with the family. And it's, it's remarkable. Those are great podcasts. Um, occasionally, Armchair Expert. Um, Dak Shepard, Monica Padman, they crack me up and um, they've got some great guests on there. Occasionally, Jocko's podcast when I just need to snap into a Slim Jim, that's good. And I love um, kind of obsessively uh, the art form of stand up comedy. And so sometimes I'll just scroll through and look for comedians and listen to their live stuff or listen to how they write and why they write and how their heads work. I think that stand up comedy is the last great pure art form and i say that because there's no layer it's in real time here's what's going on in the world here's just a microphone and reflect go and some folks like um Bergazzi and Chappelle, some of these guys given some of these guys have um are able are commenting in real time now and their ability to crank out sets and new material and put it out in the world is really remarkable so i love them um they're good and that's kind of it for podcasts. You guys got any favorite podcasts you want to give to the world? You're all murder podcasts. Not all. I'm half murder, half like 15th century history. Oh my gosh. You so have the it's the most depressing life. It, well, <laughs> yeah, it can be. Uh, it's dark. So yeah, there's a number of true crime. Let's call it true crime. That sounds better than murder. Does it? It does. Yeah. So true crime and then. Usually British European or British fifteenth uh, century ish. Sorry, it's not just British history. It's like, yeah, very specific centuries of British history. It is. There's a certain time period. Is it from like Outlander? Like, Did it what, start there? What no. got you interested in that? 
Um, probably actually started when my parents took me to England when I was like 10. Oh gosh. Were you reading To Kill a Mockingbird on the plane over? Probably. You yeah. would. James, do you have a podcast that you love? Not worth sharing. They're all like nerdy, like <laughs> digital info security. Oh, info security. Oh, that's why you're not giving it out. I see. No, it's just. James has a mask on too, by the way. He actually has a mohawk. He doesn't even look like that at all. He's got a big mustache. All right, so what is my routine for living with adult ADHD? Man. So here's a couple things that guide me. Number one is this one sentence that guides my life. Don't forget to remember, period. What does that mean? That means I will walk through my life. I I won't see a cop. I'll, I'll, I'll be just rolling through the day. But I always remember how good it feels to get into a clean car. I remember how good it feels to open my drawers and there's laundry in there. And so I have to sometimes go back to my truck one time, two times, make sure I've got everything out of it. Not because I re- have this need to make sure my truck is clean, but I remember how good it feels. It's a lot of it's about emotion. And if I can tie my current behavior to a future emotion, that really works for me. How do, how do I do that on a daily basis? I write down everything for almost every day of my life. Um, I had some tough stuff happen with recently, and so I've been kind of scattered all over the place. I haven't been writing stuff down. My morning routine shifted some. Um, just kind of been bleh. And, um, man, it starts really kicking up. I forget things. I'm kind of all over the place. Um, James can, and Kelly are like, hey, 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 let's get going. Let's get going. And um, The next thing that's important for me is sleep, 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 sleep. Routine is important. Um, and part of that routine is, man, do the same things every day as much as you can. Do the gratitude. Do the workout. Do the cold shower. Do the breakfast. Do the wake up. Whatever that is, it's all about routine, routine. And the second big thing is Connection for whatever reason, grounds ADHD in a really remarkable way, which makes it hard, right? Because you are cycling out and you are annoying to be around, which makes people not want to be around you, which makes your solution to that problem being more annoying and more faster and more going and going and going. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I've been in a lonely season. So, it's been hard. February messed with me a lot. Lots of stuff going on in personal life, live outside of town. So, when I get lonely, my ticks come back. My, not like the bugs ticks, but like I blend, I don't know. I got a whole bunch of stuff, but my sleep gets messed up and I stay up too late, etc. So here's the deal. Living with somebody requires people in your life that have compassion and kindness and mercy and grace. I think a few months in, when they realized, you guys realized, no, I'm not an idiot. And I'm not, I'm kind of an idiot, but I'm not lazy. I'm not trying to make your day bad. Then a gentle reminder is really helpful or James will... Kelly prints something out for me every single day. I don't hardly ever need it, but when I do, I'm super glad she printed it out, right? So it's just living with folks and making sure everybody around you works together. Um, yeah, that's kind of it for me is connection and routine and not forgetting to remember how good this is going to feel on the back end of that. Um, oh, here we go, dude. Recorder post. Listen to this nightmare. So listen, listen. I laugh first at the things that I love and things that make fun of me. I think things are hilarious, especially when they make fun of me. I don't live my life looking for offense, right? Um, The only offense I have, really, is when people don't treat other people with dignity and respect. It drives me crazy. And I can get pretty pissed off there. But more than than, like, if there is something making fun of something that I love, whether it's religion or my relationships or... Um, 
uh, I don't know, just things I like. It makes me laugh. It's funny. I am obsessed. I think music education is one of the most important things in the world, right? My son's played the violin for years. We just got an electric piano for my little daughter. I've been playing guitar for 30 years now. Um, my original um, teachers, Miss McAdoo, right? That was old school with the xylophone, the ta ta ti ti ta. I mean, she could rock it. Um, John Marshall, Ron McComas, Miss Hackett, my choir teachers. Dude, my life's been about music ed. And my wife has been a teacher, and then she was a college professor who taught teachers. I was a, a high school teacher. Um, I taught K through five one year, and then I've been a college professor for years. My whole family's about education. My whole family's about music. And then there's a natural intersection there. So the other day on the internet, somebody posted something along the lines of, man, as crappy as 2020, 2021 has been, thank God for those recorder classes when we were kids. I thought that was hilarious because I remember that ridiculous recorder. And I put it on this part of the Instagram thing that's with the stories I was called. It's not the main thing, but the loop-de-loop thing. Yes. I don't know. There's alt-universe, and this is the alt-alt-universe. <laughs> and dude, you would have thought I just putting up pictures of dying pets. I don't know. People got so mad. Who are you so angry at music educators why do you hate music educators we're important people i know you are i know listen check this out <laughs> check this out i have a recorder music educators miss mcadoo i still remember check this out how's that for baller hey check this out i can trill it up Yeah, look at that Jethro Tull. How do you like them apples? I love music, Ed. I still love this Aqua Blue recorder. This is actually ridiculous. Nobody should have this, but it's so good. Listen, for the sake of your soul, please stop looking through people's Instagram posts for reasons to get pissed off. If you look through somebody's thing and it offends you, just just move on or laugh. If you're a music educator. God bless you. I don't know how you've taught recorder through Zoom. Oh my gosh, I'm so good at this. I'm amazing. Uh, Kelly is literally, she's got tears in her eyes. I can't tell if that is, is that joy? No, it's not. Is your heart beating really fast? Well, but I've also gone through two kids that have brought those home. So. They had to learn. Stop. (laughs) I could do this all day. I'll stop. Please. Oh man, she's getting, you can feel it. I can feel the, I thought it was a different kind of heat. It's anger heat. It is. I misread that. My bad. Um, Listen, music educators, you're good people. You're good. If you see a joke about recorders, just laugh. Just laugh. Your soul's going to be lighter, right? It's going to be lighter. All right. So there's my music ed. I got to just get off the internets, man. People are not being ugly. They're just sad. I know it's hard. All right. So how often do I do no sugar months? Okay, so this is my confession. I kicked one off for the last AMA. We're doing the no sugar, whatever, New Year. Failed. I failed, man. I crashed and burned. Then I felt guilty and didn't want to tell my 17 listeners that I had failed them because I was getting Instagram updates from folks like, hey, man, it's really, we're grinding it out and I'm starving and I hate my family, (laughs) but I'm doing it. We're in this together. And like a coward, I just didn't say anything. I didn't lie. 
I kind of I did, I lied by omission. I didn't say anything. And man, I felt so guilty. So listen, I contacted my buddy John, who's an active Navy SEAL. He's like in the SEALs. And I said, I'm going to text you every day for 30 days. A counter app that I have. I just took a screenshot and I sent it to him. And if I don't, I will had a pretty awful, awful um, consequence. And I made it. So I got through February with none. And February sucked. It was hard. Um, so here's the thing on a regular basis. I don't have a lot of sugar. Um, I almost have no grains. We'll talk about this later, except for my wife's sourdough bread. And if she makes homemade sourdough bread, she like has a pet sourdough starter. I, I can crush it. Um, and then the other night, we had people sleep over. Like they tinted out in our, in our field at our house. And they roasted marshmallows. I had a couple of jumbo marshmallows. I, try, I just don't have a lot of sugar unless I do. And if I do, whoa, whoa. Um, I can get pretty pretty wild about it. So uh, I try just as a re- on a regular basis just to not have very much. Um, but then I do. And then it leads to the next. I mean, but then when I do, oh, boy, we get after it. Um, detail about the foods I eat. I last night I had – what did I have for dinner last night, Jane? I had – I'm by myself right now. My family's out of town. I had two avocados, three eggs, and some grass-fed beef liver. Um, We bought a bunch of cow organs from a grass-fed butcher in Missouri. And then I cooked it all in in Kerrygold butter. That's what I had. I have a lot of high fat. Not hardly ever eat grains. Um, Lots of high fat, good healthy fats, and uh, uh, good protein. Breakfast yesterday. What did I have for breakfast today? I had... Yeah, coffee with some of Dr. Uh, the collagen powder from Dr. Josh Axe. I like his stuff. Coffee with um, like a sheep liver or... With a, a pony. A pony's pancreas pony or something? Pony pancreas, yeah. <laughs> what is that? That sounds That's a nice ring to it. <laughs> hey, if you want... Google eating uh, um, organs, organ meats. Google it. And then there's also some people on the internet that are insane, right? Like, dude, all you need to do is just... Sme- Can we just not be insane? That's all there is to it. So here's the thing. Uh, it's old Vinny Tortorich, right? No sugar, no grain. I had, what, two avocados for lunch today. I didn't eat any breakfast except for this little collagen powder. My rule of thumb is NSNG. No sugar, no grains most of the time. As much vegetables as you can put in your body. Occasionally I'll have a, you know, apple or part of a banana I steal from my daughter. Um, I eat berries and cream a lot, especially in the evening time. Um, you can get buy those bags of frozen berries and I'll have cream with those. Uh, if my wife makes so many cookies, I'm going to have 76 of them. And then I'm going to um, wish I was dead the next day. And it's worth it every time. Um, the other night, I had a buddy. Like we talked about, I had a buddy that passed away. And somebody ordered a bunch of pizza. And I put myself into a near-diabetic coma. It was awesome. Like a uh, good member of a faith community, I ate myself. My, ate my sorrows that day. Um, here's That's just how it works for me. My wife actually eats different than me. And it works for her. So we've... Um, work with our particular doctors to to do what works for us. Um, that's how I do it. That's the question. Um, I don't know. What, how do you eat, James? You eat kind of similar to me, huh? Um, <clears throat> ideally, I do, but it just depends on how much I stick to it. But yeah, try to eat, you know, sort of keto. Yeah, that's a good way to say it. Sort of keto-ish. Yeah, I try to fast a lot if I can. But Yeah. I haven't been good lately. Yeah. So I don't want to talk about it. Oh, you should get that book. Well played. There you go. Kelly? My idea of a fast is between breakfast and lunch. <laughs> <laughs> if I don't eat there, I'm fasting. 
We'll play. <laughs> and the big, the big thing is if, right? Yeah. Um, my problem that I have is I like to bake. Oh, man, my wife. My son is a baker, dude. Which is how I knew that you fell off the wagon in January. Because yeah. I didn't know you had gone back to sugar. And I baked cookies one day, and you came in and grabbed like a handful. Oh, and I was, I was like, well, I guess that's my, over. I was literally <laughs> smearing them on my yeah, face. Yeah, you rolled in them. Somebody called HR on, on me. Yeah. Like, they're like, hey, he's grossing us out yeah. with the cookies. Yeah, I could. Uh, we ugh, try to gosh. eat a lot of um, real food. That's our thing at home. We just try to eat real foods. Yeah. And then... You know, stuff that doesn't come out of a box or a bag mm. or something. Um, we have one night a week where we try to support a local restaurant. Yeah. We take out. <laughs> do you all take your copy of, uh, of To Kill a Mockingbird there? <laughs> we do. The entire family. I read wow. to them at dinner. Wow. It's great. Yeah, yep. that's. I want to change my answer. We get pizza once a week, too, and it's to support a local restaurant. Uh, well, played. <laughs> well played. We get super intoxicated. and We support the local Uber account. Just kidding. We don't. But I don't know what y'all do. Good gosh. Um, hey, so here's the thing. If you want to figure out what diet works for you, I always recommend to everybody, go get the Whole30 book and just start there. It's an elimination diet. It's very clean and it's easy. Just do it for 30 days and your life will suck. It is hard. You got to get, you gotta do it with somebody and y'all got to hold each other accountable. Ask James. I almost killed him once on Whole30. <sighs> but then you find out, right? Yeah. Because then you start. He came in with a Chick-fil-A biscuit. Did you stab him for it? Well, we were in a meeting and she was like, you need to leave now, James, because I was just, <laughs> it was like day eight. Oh, dude. Yeah. And he walked in just eating a Chick-fil-A biscuit. You need to plan that around your time off, Kelly. He's still here. Yeah. As but you can he, see. He was, he's one less limb, but he's still here. Say, he had both, both legs back then. So about day eight to 13, when you have cut grains and sugar out, your everything in your life is awful and you will recognize, oh, maybe I'm an addict. And that's what happened with me. Um, anyway. Do Whole30, cut that stuff out, and then you slowly add it back in. Most of us have never gone 30 days without bread or 30 days without rice or 30 days without you know milk or something like that. And when you add it back in, man, your body will be like, nope, we're out, right? Exit strategy, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit. Uh, what supplements do I take? Man, I hate to say this because people go out and just buy all these. Um, here's, what I, here's what I take. Um so I'm kind of annoying about my where I get my stuff from and what I take. Um, I get 99% of the the supplements I take is from a company called Thorn. Um, I just trust them. I've met with their people. They're really good. They're trustworthy, and their stuff's real pure. It's not stuff you get like at Walgreens or whatnot. Um, I do take creatine on a regular basis. It's got so much. It's one of the most researched supplements in the world. I do take full-spectrum hemp oil several times a week. Um, occasional melatonin, um, Thorns multivitamin. I've taken that for years. I cycle on and off that. Um, throughout this year, as the research emerged with COVID stuff, I did take <laughs> a lot of vitamin D, vitamin DK. Um, again, I don't know ultimately how it's going to play out. I don't know if that's causal or if it is more correlational, but again, it's like 20 bucks. And if there's a chance it's going to help me out, then let's, let's do that. I do take, um, a lot of vitamin C, a lot of zinc, um, farm GABA. I, have you tried that James? Um, I got, I've started some GABA recently. Some, yeah. yeah. Oh, man, I, I love it. It helps me sleep. It's pretty good. Some people has no effect on it. Um, 
Fish oil is a huge deal, whether it's DHA, DHA, uh, fish oil is important. And then I recently um, read some stuff on the blood sugar support from Moringa powder. So I'm trying that out. I put way too much in my coffee this morning and it tasted like somebody had died about a week ago and I was trying to drink it. It was awful. And um, so I poured about a $111 cup of coffee down the, after all the stuff I had put in it. Um, but I couldn't handle it, but try Moringa powder. So I rotate stuff out. I try stuff. Um, I've got several other things I'm taking now just to see what happens. Um, that's what I take on a quasi regular basis. It is expensive. It is. Um, and if I could only take one thing, um, on that list, it would probably be that multivitamin and, um, it's really good. Thorns multivitamin is really good. And, um, that creatine is really good too. Um, all right. Sweetest thing I've ever done for my wife that surprised her. I just tried to think of a few things. I surprised with a trip to Malibu once. Um, we were just newlyweds. We went for like two nights. Um, one time I stuck uh, concert tickets to a Dave Matthews show. We were living in one city. I know. I know. That was a surprise or like a punishment? <laughs> Do you not <laughs> yeah. love her? She really, she burned the roast. And so I was like, that's it. We're flying <laughs> to another city to go to see Dave Matthews. Um, but I put it in like a magazine, and she opened it and read it, and was like, "What are these?" And we went and got on an airplane. That was kind of fun. We went to some friends. Here was probably the coolest thing. So we were—I uh, don't know if we were dating or married at the time. I think we had just—I don't know. She's all about country music. I don't know a lot about country music. And George Strait was a big dude. I heard the name, but I didn't know about him. And they were closing down the Astrodome, where I spent a lot of time as a kid going to Astros games. Used to be able to go for four bucks to see the Astros game. So in high school, we went a lot. And so I called a guy who knew a guy um rick noodleman was his name came up with two tickets for that show it was like a it was like a military processional the president was there george Strait comes in on a horse <laughs> there's like a million people in the astrodome people are weeping cry- i looked at my wife right when george Strait came out she just starts bawling i was like what is happening here and it was like a church service. It was a church service with 8 million people in the Astrodome. I think that was probably the smoothest thing. Probably the worst surprise that was the least sweet. <laughs> so here's my proposal story. I got all my buddies together. We've been dating for five years off and on. And we break up, get back together. Thought I was going to marry somebody else. That didn't work out. Anyway, this is the day. I'm going to do it on my birthday. So you'll never see it coming. And at this restaurant... It's Papacitos, man, in Houston. It's the greatest Mexican food in the world. And um, that's probably a little bit of a generalization. I like the restaurant. How about that? And we were, um, I was going to propose there. And when you told them it's your birthday, they would silence the whole restaurant, have you stand up on a chair, and then they all sing happy birthday to you. So great. I got all my buddies in on this. I handed one guy the rings I wouldn't chicken out. We go there, and it is packed, super hopping. It is chaos. And then, you know, they, my buddies did the right thing and they told the, you know, the waitress like, Hey, it's this guy's birthday. And like, okay, we'll take care of him. So we finished dinner, nothing. And we're all just kind of sitting there like nothing, nothing. Then my buddies think it's hilarious. And they start passing the ring down the table and they're hiding it behind drinks or behind chips. And I'm getting more nervous. What are we doing here? And then this poor waiter comes out, and he is sweating. He's so busy. It's so hot, and it's Houston. Everyone's running around. And he just shows up with a 18-foot sombrero, a giant hat, and a piece of cake. And he's like, hey, is this always birthday? And I was like, yeah, it's me. And he 
tosses the cake on the table and he puts his hat on me and he goes, happy birthday, man. And he just runs off. And by this time they'd moved the ring to where it's like my drink and it's right behind it. And then there's my fiance, like my girlfriend. And I froze and I didn't know what to do. I should have bailed. I should have just been like, not tonight guys. And I didn't. And I just like awkwardly was like, uh, and I just got down on a knee in the middle of a bustling restaurant with a huge sombrero on. And I was like, Hey, we, to which my wife was like, are you serious? And the whole, th- I was like, yes, this is it. it. And it just was, Bleh. so I thought I was going to be all sweet and romantic. It was terrible. That's the sweetest thing that I thought I did that was not a good surprise. It surprised you. It wasn't a great surprise. How about that? <sighs> okay. So how many listeners do I actually have, James? So one of the running jokes on this show is we have like 17 listeners. I think we're up to 25, probably by now. I did go check the YouTube show had a million plus views in February. So it's, (laughs) here's the thing. I have the same five friends I've had since grade school. I've made like a few friends along the way, but like, I just am not that cool. And so when I see numbers like a million views in February, like that makes my head explode. It's like a cartoon. So we had over a million views in February. Um, That's a lot. Tens and tens of thousands of regular podcast listeners. So the whole thing's gotten really big underneath this. That's why they made me move out of the our safe studio into this big flashy shiny thing. Um, And then if you throw in Dave's show, I co-host Dave Ramsey's show a couple times a week, and so that's millions and millions. So it's a whole thing. If you're listening to this, you're part of a cool gang. You were in it on the inside though. And so for my head, literally, psychologically, I've just got to assume it's just me and my mom and a few friends and some cool people who hang out with us in the lobby partying. Y'all are making my day better. I'm glad y'all are here. It's good to see you. For those of you who are listening, there's a whole audience full of people. And by audience, I mean three. And it's good to see you guys. Y'all make my heart feel good. Um, So that's how many listeners we have. A lot. A lot. But hey, seriously, send this podcast to your friends. Send it to them. And either you can make fun of it and be like, look at this clown. Or if you get something out of it, send it to your buddies and um, hopefully they can get something out of it too. What would I say to my younger self? Kelly, what would you say to the younger John? Oh, wow. I wasn't prepared for this one. I know. Hurry up. (laughs) (laughs) Is that a late joke? Might be. I would try to develop those habits to the younger John so that the John that I deal with now... Will you be on time? James, what would you tell the younger John? I would say, hey, humbuckers are overrated. Get yourself a Fender Stratocaster and a Fender Princeton and a couple good pedals and you'll be set. Real Real men don't need Les Pauls. That's what I would tell them. Real men need jangles. Oh, gosh, Fender people. To be fair, I would probably say, get your acid wash jeans on. We're going to see Motley Crue. Because <laughs> to, to the be younger fair, Kelly and the younger John we would hung out. had a lot in we, common. We would have hung out. Yeah. There was a lot of hairspray involved. I used a lot of hairspray, too. Oh, 80s, Texas. Did you have the poof? <laughs> yeah. Gargantuan. <laughs> yeah. Acid Super wash, not. the whole thing. I did have some dope acid wash jeans that I got secondhand, I think, from a dude named Brian Bell. He hooked me up with jeans all the time. They were pretty rad. Um, here's what I would tell younger self. Never steal 
Deloney, don't steal, don't lie. I was a little lying thief as a kid. I hate that. That's like one of the most shameful parts of my childhood. I hate that. Um, I would tell 18-year-old, 19, 20-year-old, 14-year-old John, dude, you got value, and that's enough. That's enough. The defense mechanisms I built up over the years, man, just because I was always so insecure, man, um, I, I just hate that because there's a wake of people that you hurt along those journeys, right? Um, I would tell the younger me, dude, treat people right all of the time. Don't wait until later to learn that lesson. In fact, I remember the person and um, that I remember thinking I have to be different after this. And I wasn't like, I didn't do anything evil, but man, I wish I could uh, go back and treat a few people better. So I would treat people right all the time. Um, I tell younger John, stop worrying about everything. Say yes more. Don't be such a buzzkill. I was a loser, dude. I was such a nerd. My buddies were like, hey, let's go do something. Fill in the blank. And I was like, well, I don't know, guys. We're probably going to get in trouble. Just shut up and go have fun, right? Go have fun. The things I did, I actually went and did and had fun. Those are the memories we talk about. Not like, hey, John, remember we all were in bed by 930? <laughs> That's so stupid. Um, yeah. And I would have gotten more sleep, too. I did, oh, so, so lame. <laughs> Those things seem a little paradise. They do. <laughs> Here's the thing. I wouldn't go out, and then I would sit up and watch USA Up All Night movies like a dork. And maybe, so I maybe get, we wouldn't have been friends. We would I not take have that been back. friends. No, dude, I don't think I'm so. all talk. I was lame. And then I would have told this to my younger self: Secrets will kill you. Don't work somewhere you can't be fully yourself, where you can't be fully open, and don't work somewhere people don't challenge you. Right? Um, that'd be that'd be a big ones for me. Like, dude, just get over yourself and enjoy your life. And enjoyment means get some sleep, and enjoyment means go to jail once or twice. Sometimes it's funny, right? All right, so what's my most embarrassing moment? Oof. I'll give you... Probably, okay, in order, the most embarrassing moments. Number one, I... um, I still think David did it, but... I dropped the baton in first place in the mile relay my senior year, and I we lost the meet by one point, and it was the first meet that team had lost in 10 years. That was going to be the 10-year win. There was Olympians on that team. It was kind of a nationally ranked track team. To this day, I'll get a text like once every two or three years from the, the guy who was running third leg who handed me the baton, and he'll just be like, you dropped it. And I'll be like, nope, you did. Like, it still haunts me. Um, that was an embarrassing moment. It just broke my heart. A few years ago at the law school, um, I guess we'll just edit this out if we can't use this. I was, I mean, I was at the law school and I was just going to the bathroom and in my suit. And as I would tell my children, I thought I was going to toot. <laughs> <laughs> And James, <laughs> I got more than I bargained for. And I, here's the thing. I'm at work at a law school in a suit. And I had to, like, waddle sprint out of the building and get to the parking lot. I went all the way. I just went home. I just canceled the rest of the day went home. That was pretty embarrassing. I had to cancel meetings. And I have to, you have to lie to your coworkers. You can't tell them the truth. Like, why, why, why are we canceling the hey, day? Like, secrets kill relationships. That's why I'm, I'm being no, honest. That was embarrassing. should be kept secret. No, yeah. that was embarrassing. It happened. I crapped my pants at work, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> That's what happened. That's what happened. Um, yeah, those are a couple of good ones. Oh, dude, I just have a lifetime of embarrassing moments. 
I just think, like the other day, I was, I, I, I just am awkward, man, and I don't know what to say. I don't know how to just say, like, hi, how are you? And I try to, like, start a thing, and then everyone's like, this is weird. What are you doing? And I don't know. I get embarrassed a lot. I don't get embarrassed anymore. I embarrass the people around me because I'm awkward. Um, advice for a therapist starting a practice. What would I tell them? Here's what I'd tell you. Work really, really hard and be really good and you get good both inside and outside the therapy room. So what I mean by that, um, learn to love people. If you don't love people, don't be a therapist. Love people, love their kids, love their stories, love hearing about their weird dogs. Just love being with people. Um, it drives my wife crazy because I like to just sit there and talk to the register dude at Burger King. We don't eat a burger, but I just like talking to people. And she's like, we seriously have to go. Um, and I just like talking to people. And the, the therapist, the folks I know who are great therapists, it's hard for them to get through a room because they just love talking to people. They love interacting with other humans. And so learn to love people. Um, learn to sit with people in their pain. That's hard, and it's challenging, and it's spiritual. It's You can only learn it by practice. Um, my first job coaching high school, I asked the head coach, when y'all are cutting players, can I just be in the room? I want to watch how y'all cut players. Um, later on, when I was in leadership, when someone was going to fire somebody, I would say, hey, can I be in that room? I just want to see how this happens. How do you how do you gracefully terminate somebody's employment? How do you take their job away and let them keep their dignity? How do you sit with somebody when you've just told them you got to go home and tell your kids and your wife you got fired? Um, how do you sit in those moments? And then later on, how do you knock on somebody's door with a police officer and say, I regret to inform you that your husband was killed in a car wreck? Um, how do you sit with somebody at home when they know that they've just lost a child and they're racing to get home and they're going to meet you first? Um, you got to learn how to sit in those moments. And the phrase I learned at the law school that I love, there's just power in the pause. Just be quiet. And we are so conditioned to fill up that space with ticks and weird things and sayings. And that's when you say stupid, stupid stuff that ends up hurting people. And so if you want to be a really good therapist starting to practice, learn to sit with people in their pain. Sometimes you'll you'll be in a, a session three or session four and somebody will just say it. They'll finally say, I was abused or I've got to get out of this marriage or I don't like my kids. They'll, they'll have something that's been sitting in their soul and they'll finally say it. And man, if you're a therapist that tries to like take that pain away and then man, you just, you rob them of that healing process. And so you got to learn to sit in that, in that pain with other people. And the last thing is have a hardcore to the death, will not budge on it wellness plan for you. Being a good therapist means you got to get up and keep going. You got to keep going. And you can only do that if you're well. Otherwise, you're going to get burnt out. You're going to melt your friends and your family and your kids. You're going to bring that crap home with you. Have a way that you can hose your boots off at the end of every day when you get done dealing with other people's crap all day. Um, that's what I'd recommend. And work really hard. Show up. Be available in the middle of the night. Be available in the first days. As you're building your practice, you're going to learn what you're good at, and you're going to learn new skills. All right. Um, <laughs> oh, Kelly, I think you sent this in, Kelly. When did I get obsessed with diarrhea references? I didn't, but that person oh, is my noise. new best friend. <laughs> That's my new best friend. All right. So here's when I got diarrhea. I've been, I don't say obsessed. I thought diarrhea humor has been funny forever. I don't know why. I just think it's hilarious. I think diarrhea is nature's eject button. It is like nature's like, everybody out. I just think that on its face is funny. Um, now, if you are 
if you got dysentery, if you're going to die, I mean, obviously it's not funny, but I remember getting, being so sick. If, if this kind of story, barfing and diarrhea makes you sick, just hit the little fast forward button a few times here. But I remember being so sick. Yeah, Kelly's just, pl- you can plug your ears. <laughs> but I was, had a, like, you know, it's coming out everywhere. And I had a, a, a trash can I'm throwing up into, um, it is roller coaster out the you know out the 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 other exit and i remember just dying laughing it was the most uncomfortable but i remember laughing with i was thinking what needs out of my body this bad and it was cracking me up because my body was just like everybody out everybody out and i just remember thinking that's the funniest thing it's uncomfortable it's miserable it's unpleasant and then, you know, my family's humor, my dad was a homicide detective. He, his humor just slanted a little bit off. My sister is the funniest person I've ever met. She hurt. She is 10 times smarter than me, 10 times funnier than me. She's so fast. And um, my friends, Beavis and Butthead came out when I was a kid. And so that was, I mean, that's just kind of what we grew up on. Honestly, I don't know why. Here's the honest truth. America... And by America, I mean 13 of you. If I have a diarrhea reference on this show, 99% of the time, I'm trying not to say a bad word. I'm trying not to swear. I want this to be a show that people can listen to in their car with their families. Um, and I want my kids to be able to hear it. And so I try not to swear. And so when I'm like, get really fired up and I'm like, that mocks of farts on a stick and a bag of diarrhea that is just me not trying i'm just trying not to string together a bunch of expletives because i'm just trying to keep a nice show and as a producer i want to caveat that kids should probably almost never listen to this show <laughs> you've, you've heard our subject matters right i mean no child should i'm pretty sure this isn't a family get together show i well maybe in y'all's family y'all are too busy serving the least of these in the kelly in kelly's household and james is too busy churning their own butter out in their in their chicken pasture which is dumb because we have chickens in our house. i don't know why i made fun of you about the way i live my life too james i'm sorry I actually i just had to call two of my chickens yesterday so that's you did, just triggered me did y'all eat them no they were old and sickly and not laying anymore so I had to go yeah, i see once just there you go listeners when i stop producing <laughs> james is gonna recommend that Delon be called and you called me dark and stuff hey it's just the way of the world oh man Wow, it's very Darwinian of you, James. Glad to know that we're in this. We we're in this for the long haul. Cool, man. <laughs> I don't know. I think diarrhea is funny. Sorry, <sighs> people. People will send me cards and letters, letting me know that they think it's gross. It makes me sound stupid. They're not listening anymore. I get that. That's fine. Whatever. I think it's funny. I envy their choice. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I have, hey, we've dialed it way back, right? We? I have dialed it way back. I'll give you that. Okay, thanks. Not way, I'll give you, you dialed it back. It's so hard. There's so many funny jokes I don't use. All right, best woo-woo guidance I've ever received. So in the biohacker world, woo-woo is, is just a phrase for, there is no evidence to support that that does anything and now a bunch of weirdos are doing it, right? 
So I like trying every woo-woo thing that comes along the way. I think it's super fun. And now we're getting some good data because they've got these fMRI machines. They've got all kinds of wearables now that you can actually track blood sugar and heart rate and sleep cycle. You've got all this wearable stuff that, man, we're getting down the road on proving some of these woo-woo things. But the things that have made the most impact in my life that I don't have any data, I've never read data on... Um, Barefoot and grounding is a big deal for me, making sure I'm connected to the ground. So I, this morning when we went and let the chickens out and ran the dogs around, I walked across our property with bare feet and it was cold and it was early and it was uncomfortable. And that's just a big deal for me. I do that every single day. I have read some data on cold, cold plunges, cold showers. I think that's good, but um, it's not probably the firmest science. Um, I think Wim Hof has some science on it. I haven't read all of it, but cold showers is a big deal for me, both neurologically, psychologically, emotionally, and just physiologically, it's good. Um, and then this is probably the most woo-woo one that I learned from a therapist here in town. And man, whenever I'm angry with somebody or I'm frustrated or I'm not connecting with somebody, ugh, it sounds so cheesy to just say it out loud, but it's called a heart breath where you imagine like a kind of a almost like care bears remember when they used to like shoot the things out of their chest like out of their hearts and like and connect with somebody else's heart i know that sounds so ridiculous i think every single listener is like all right we're done and sorry it's got our podcast canceled it's just my mom hanging in there now she's like oh my john and his heart breath um but there's something when i get disconnected with folks if i can just imagine i'm tethered to them um, it helps me plug in and look them in the eye and make sure I am connecting a lot of times when I'm not hearing somebody right or someone's annoying me or driving me crazy. It's, be- it's on me. It's because I'm not paying attention and that helps me plug in with somebody. There is no data that says our hearts are connected. Sounds like a Bon Jovi song, but there you go. All right, the last one here is what are some favorite local Nashville places? Dude, the Ryman Auditorium, man. It's one of my favorite places in this community. I've seen some rad shows over there. Um, since we lived here, back when you could go to shows, that was cool. Frothy Monkey is this dope little coffee shop. That's where I wrote most of my dissertation. I love it. Um, <sighs> Radnor Lake, I love. It's like a pristine nature preserve here. You can walk around and just look at other people, and you all nod. And I don't know. I like it. My kids run around there. Um, I don't know. What do y'all think? Do y'all have cool I places like, that you love? I like Eighth and Roast for coffee. Eighth and Roast? Eighth and Roast Sounds on like 8th a, Avenue. Like a meat place, but that's cool. And what about you? Um, my favorite place, like like local place, would be Bishop's. Oh, uh, I don't know what that is. It's a, it's a meat and three, and it's where Hattie B's chicken started. Oh, my God. So Hattie B's? Some, if I had some to, last week, some good Nashville hot chicken. If you come to Nashville and want a little bit of the aforementioned diarrhea, Hattie B's for sure... I don't, I don't never get diarrhea there. I love that place. It's so good. So, so good. Good call on that one. I love Hattie B's. I love it. Man, there's so many local joints in Nashville. It's like it's got the best food. 1799. There's a lot of cool little cork and cow. All those places are just rad, man. The Red Pony did burn down? Yeah, it did. Oh, my god! I don't know if they're going to be able to rebuild or what, but it burned. <laughs> well, that's one of my favorite places. Um, hey, that's the last. That's the end of those questions. So, thank you so much. Um, send all your mean cards and letters. And I'm trying to cut back on the diarrhea jokes. James, stay in school, don't do drugs. Zach Bennett. Hey, you don't get enough credit. Can we can't, you can't put a camera on you, can you? Come over here, Zach. 
Just wave. Look, he's wearing his green hat. St. Patrick's Day today. James said I have to say hello into the microphone so everyone can hear me. That is the most I've heard him talk since I've met him a year he's ago. He's got an amazing radio voice. He does, man. It's awesome. One and of these days we're going to have him fill in for you when you're gone. That would be the ratings will spike, man. Be like, oh, who's this? This is awesome. But that's it. That's that's the life. We're gonna come back in a few weeks with a what do we call it? Rapid fire. Rapid fire. Your version of yeah, relatively rapid. Yeah. I was gonna take about fifteen minutes to explain what rapid fire was, which oh, again tells you the whole problem. But all right, that's it. And um, hey, today's lyrics. Let's end with a good one. Man, we went back old school to nineteen ninety. It's off the people's instinctive travels and the paths of rhythm. A tribe yes. called Quest dropped grenades on that record. This is this is one. This is on the radio. Get over it, purists. I'm not doing deep cuts today. We're just introducing people to the tribe. But it's called "Can I Kick It?" and it goes like this: Can I kick it while I'm gone? Can I kick it to all the people who can quest like a tribe does? See what they did there. Before this, did you really know what live was? Comprehended the track for its why? Cause getting measures on the tip of the vipers, rock and roll. Oh, on the tip of the vibers. Sorry, rock and roll to the beat of the funk jazz. Wipe your feet really good on the rhythm rug. And if you can feel the urge to freak, do the jitterbug. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug. That's what this show's about. I'm just ripping off a tribe called Quest. Come and spread your arms if you really need a hug right here on the Dr. John Deloney Show. <laughs>